Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. I mentioned I've got a loaded 1 p.m. hour. I wasn't kidding. And joining me first on the Wester Hotline to talk more ball is Charles McDonald. You can follow him on Twitter, at 4Verts. And he, uh, he he does some work over there at uh, Underdog Fantasy. And joining me to talk about exclusively Matt Ryan for the next 15 to 17 minutes. Welcome, Charles. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to connect, my man. I, and I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to make this uh, into, like, you know, some sort of weird uh depressing uh you know segment for you but i can't not make it slightly depressing oh i mean there's not there's nothing really that's depressing anymore about the falcons i guess it's just kind of who we are like, i remember when i got the uh the notification that calvin ridley had gotten popped for a year for gambling i wasn't even that surprised it was like well i guess we're about due for something like this to happen you know it's been a couple of years since the super bowl uh you know we traded julio jones last year so i guess we're about on our uh our year or every other year, just big fiasco that ends up becoming a huge distraction. It's definitely tracking in that direction. And listen, like I, I guess I don't fully understand a team that has. I'm sorry. Is it is it Harold Dar- Frank Darby? What's what's the name of the only receiver currently on the roster? Is that? Uh, I think it's Frank Darby. Frank Darby. And, uh... Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Russell Gage's contract expired. Yeah, he's so I'm not a, really sure who else. He's who else a UFA. Uh, they have one receiver currently under contract, and obviously, you know, they, they they've got Kyle Pitts, who's a stud in his own right. But restructuring Matt Ryan's contract, which essentially and effectively kicks the can down the road on their ability to actually move on from him in the next year or so. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless there's some sort of post June first wizardry that's about to go down and potentially he gets moved. I, I I guess I don't really see that happening considering the dead cap implications that'll come with that. But like, what what do you what do you make of the Matt Ryan contract situation with the Falcons right now and and kind of them seemingly digging themselves into a deeper hole? Uh, I don't I don't think it's a. Uh... I wasn't I wasn't surprised by it because I think if they were going to make a move on a QB, it was going to be this past off season, uh, and they decided not to do that. So honestly, when they passed on uh, like Justin Fields at four, I was like, all right, I guess they're just going to ride this thing out until Matt Ryan just can't play anymore. And I I think that that's the direction that's heading. I I think I think one piece of this that is uh, that can't be like understated or or hasn't been talked about enough is. Simply put, like, Arthur Blank likes having Matt Ryan be the quarterback of the Falcons. Uh, and I think that 
Arthur Blank, he wants Matt Ryan to retire with the team. Uh, I know he wanted Julio Jones to retire, remember the Falcons too, but, uh, you know, they decided to let Julio uh, get traded last offseason. So, uh, you know, if they weren't going to make a move last season, last offseason, I I don't really see why they would now. I'm not really sure who else is out there. So, uh, you know, I think they're going to let Matt Ryan do his little local le- legend status and, and ride it out, which, honestly, I got to say, I don't really care anymore. Uh, <laughs> after after the, the Super Bowl, it's like it is what it is. I know I'm going to be there every Sunday. I can't put expectations on this thing anymore because last time I did, it ended up so terribly for me. So sure, I'll watch Matt Ryan play until he can't play anymore because who cares at this point? Yeah, it's just it's it's tough because towards the end here, there really isn't like that that bright shiny thing that you're looking forward to in the future. Like for instance, I look at the 2023 draft class, which is starting to get pick up some steam and getting talked about now because of how frankly not great. This current draft class is they're expecting it to be even worse next year. So if you're a team like the Falcons, you kind of find yourself in a precarious position with your quarterback because he's not quite bad or old enough to, to say like, we've got to move on entirely. He still gives you ways to stay competitive, but that arm and listen, I mean, Julio kind of took some, some parting shots at wanting to play with a quarterback that could, you know, throw the ball down the field to him with some velocity. So like just wondering what this looks like if, if Matt Ryan is still the quarterback in like 2024? Uh, probably not great, but again, <laughs> this is kind of what they signed up for. Uh, I, like, I'm I'm already curious to see what happens with this, like, Kyle Pitts. And we're, we're only one year into this, but you know, if we're looking at, uh, you get to year four or five, and that's when they decide to uh, really start looking for a new quarterback. So I don't know. Maybe he decides to, to hold out or try to get traded, but uh it's it's just weird, uh, or the weird part to me was like passing on a quarterback last season for that exact reason because you know I was looking at the the uh, you're, you're sitting there at like the 2021 draft last year with Justin Fields potentially there to take, uh, and when you looked beyond that, there wasn't really a whole lot going on this year. Uh, the draft class, I mean, you, you can take a a swing on a guy like Malik Willis, but I think his floor is uh, a lot lower than people are saying right now. And when you look beyond that. Um, for for next year, DJ, uh, you know, I, I forget how to say, but the, the quarterback in Clemson, he kind of tanked his draft stock this year, and who knows, he might he might not even be starting because they have another five star uh, coming in. So it, it looking it's looking kind of bleak at the quarterback position. We look at the landscape beyond like what's just in the NFL right now. It's not like uh, college football is pumping these guys out or, or prospects that you got to have like there have been in recent years. We're kind of hitting like a little bit of a, a desert in, in college football as far as quarterback prospects go. Charles McDonald here on the Western Hotline. We're talking about the Falcons, but we're going to move on to some least to some some less depressing things. Uh, and I'd like to hear some. I'd like to hear the life back in Charles's voice. So I'm gonna I'm gonna switch <laughs> gears. We're talk a little bit more about free agency, but maybe more interestingly, some of the the rumors, some of the players that are being connected to the Bills, Charles, I, I have found pretty interesting. And and most recently, another report from CBS Sports, Jason Lock and Fora that that rival general managers across the league at this point are almost expecting that the bills are the team that, <clears throat> that trades with the Carolina Panthers to, to get and acquire Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, as a guy that yesterday on, on my very own podcast kind of thought that a, the fit makes sense and whether or not it would be smart. I kind of just throw out of the window because smart, 
here's my whole take on this Christian McCaffrey interest or potential interest, Charles, is I've decided to stop thinking about why you wouldn't pay uh, a running back or trade for a running back with his sort of you know salary cap hit and, and injury issues over the last couple of years, and I strictly brought it and boiled it down to this. Who would I most hate or most think is really going to be hard to st- – or, or, or how about this, make the Chiefs harder to defend? And the one guy I kept going back to is if they got Christian McCaffrey – I would feel very unwell about it. So you know what? I'm just going to apply the same principle and say if I'm going to feel really crappy about him going to the Panther or to the to the Chiefs, I've got to feel at least a little bit okay about him going to the Bills. Overall, if the Bills really are prioritizing getting a Barkley or a McCaffrey, what does like where does that fall in terms of like smart moves, bad moves, or whatever it is here? What would be your take on the Bills doing something like that? Charles, we still got you. Did we did we get disconnected from Charles a little bit there from the line? We'll uh, we'll let Zach uh, get that figured out. I don't know. What, are we good, Charles? Are you there? Yeah. Okay, we got yeah. you now. Okay, Christian McCaffrey, yeah, I, I tell actually, me. I actually hit the mute button on my phone by accident. Oh, right. um, <laughs> I I think it's a smart move. I mean, you're sitting here with a team that is ready to win it all. Uh, like I I don't really think that you can say that the Bills aren't Super Bowl contenders, and I. For me, I, I think it's kind of fun when you're at this point where you can just add good players. Uh, and if you're going to trade for Christian McCaffrey, it's not like, you know, unless you decide to take on his full contract, it's not going to be like you're in a situation where you're eating the whole thing uh, and that becomes like a hindrance on your ability to do things in the future. Uh, I think with I think with McCaffrey, the biggest thing to me is health. Uh, because if you trade for him and he can't play, uh, that's not going to look good on anybody. And I, I think you're probably going to end up uh, kind of in a similar spot that you were last year where you still need someone to carry the ball and he's not uh, available for you. You know, Saquon Barkley is kind of an interesting uh, swing because, you know, if the Giants are, you know, really ready to unload on him, unload him and take trade him to another team, he's still got the upside where uh, if, if he can just get healthy and have an offseason where, he doesn't, you know, bang up his knees or his ankles, something like that. He's still someone that can take it the distance every time he touches the ball. So mm-hmm. I kind of look at Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey and be like every offense could use guys like this, and especially when you're in Buffalo. And that seems to be like one of the big things that you're missing. And you have the potential to get it without burning a first-round pick on it because I don't think you would need a first-round pick uh, to get either guy at this point. I, that's got to be a pretty enticing trade today. How funny is it when you hear teams like the Giants, like the Panthers, and the reports that are like, you know, hey, the Panthers are looking to move Chris McCaffrey, and the Giants are looking to move, um, you know, are, are looking to move Saquon Barkley, and they're looking to acquire a first-round pick. And, and I always try to, like, tell people that are like, oh, my God, no one's ever going to pay a first-round pick. And I think that's sort of the point, right? Like, are you going to come yeah. out and say, well, you know, we would settle with a sixth, but if you're willing to give us a fifth, that would be better. Like, of course they're going to start really high. It's like people don't know how to negotiate yeah you're never like what, what am i gonna do come out oh, it'd be nice if we could get like a fourth round pick for <laughs> christian mccaffrey I mean, if we could get like a six for saquon i'd be happy of course not you're gonna come out and say uh what you want you win obviously you will want to get a first round pick for any player so you're gonna come out and say you know the price is high and then you come out and negotiate with whoever uh is interested beyond that i think that you know if you're looking at uh Saquon and, and McCaffrey, I, I, I can't imagine that it will cost more than like a, a second or a third to get either one. And even a second, I feel, is a little bit high at this point for, for where both guys are in their careers because 
quite frankly, at both of them to a degree, I think to different degrees are reclamation projects. So uh, it, it's not like they're going to be costing a premium price right now. So if you're a team like Buffalo where you just kind of need another guy to help you out in offense, maybe stabilize things a little bit so you don't have to rely on Josh Allen on the ground so much uh, and keep him out of harm's way, I think that trading for either guy makes a whole lot of sense. But, you know, it just depends – like always, what the price is going to be on that. Yeah, no doubt about that. And and I, I think as we move closer and closer to this, you know, legal tampering period, Charles, I, I keep thinking about where the Bills, or, or how about this, what the Bills should do, because it feels like, for the most part, the AFC at large has turned into a giant arms race. And one would have to, you could have two schools of thought if you're a Bills fan, right? That these are teams that are probably doing what they can to catch up to you and to the Chiefs, right? Um, I'm not sure that I buy in uh, that the Bengals are like a long-term contender in the AFC. I I want to feel like last year was a little fluky for them and that they'll likely regress closer to the mean, but I still think they're going to be a competitive team. They're going to be in line to, to potentially win the AFC North, but like do do you what which of those do you subscribe like that teams are are catching up to the bills and the bills just need to stand pad and and make some moves nothing crazy or do you believe that they're a team that needs to sort of enter in this arms race and be a team that goes after a Chandler Jones be a team that goes after one of these big time receivers like what, I guess what school of thought do you believe the bills should be in and why oh I think uh, I think they should go for it like. Because I, the Rams have shown that it can be done. Uh, it can be done, and you can win a Super Bowl. And, and honestly, you're, you're starting from a spot where you already have the quarterback in place. Uh, you don't have to trade you know, two first-round picks to get the quarterback. So now you can use those assets to kind of build up whatever else you want on your team. Uh, like why, I don't really understand why the Bills shouldn't be you know, in, these, in the, like the major arms race to kind of solidify that roster because, uh, like I said, the Rams have shown that it can be done, and you can acquire top – your talent and it's good to have those players on your team uh and if you're a, a organization that's kind of savvy with the cap and can figure out how to move stuff around so you don't get um you know too caught up in guys that might not be in your team uh in future years then i think that that's kind of a strategy that you should be going for when you already have uh your franchise quarterback in place you know you're not even starting out for a play from the rams not not only where uh you, don't, you have to trade for the quarterback, but you're also not like totally maxed out like they kind of were uh, before they had to trade Jared Goff, where mm-hmm. you know you also have to trade an extra pick just to get them to eat some of that money uh, as well. So it, it's, 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 I think if you're the Bills, why not approach it like a, a Madden offseason to a degree? Yeah. You know, let's try, to, let's try to get Chandler Jones in here. Let's try to make a trade for Saquon Barkley because I think, I think the name of the game is just <laughs> having as many good players as you can as possible and I would agree with you that the Bills, I still think they're a better team than the Bengals, uh, even though they didn't make it to the Super Bowl like Cincinnati did. They seem to have a more, you know, stable stable wavelength towards, uh, you know, being back in the AFC Championship next year. Because, you know, I, I do consider Josh Allen to be better than Joe Burrow, and I think that uh, you, have, you have a better team surrounding those guys too. Charles, appreciate you, man. Tell the folks where they can find your work, what you got going on as we get uh, closer and closer to the free agency, uh, the draft, and the league year. Yes, yeah, so you can find myself uh, on Underdog Fantasy, uh, recurring guests on ESPN. Charles, I think we lost you again. Oh. That, that damn mute uh, button. I did it again. I did it again. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so you can find me on uh, Twitter, Forvert, 
I do work for Underdog Fantasy. Uh, I'm on the ESPN's Debatable Show as a recurring guest. Be back on uh, next week with Dominique and Pablo. And I'm starting up a podcast soon called uh, The Exempt List on Underdog Fantasy, which is going to be, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I think you can you can get a sense of what that's going to be like. Yeah, I, I definitely have a sense of what that's going to be like. Can't wait for that to come <laughs> out, man. I appreciate you. Thanks yeah. for uh, being flexible, coming on with me, and chatting some ball. We'll do this again soon, my man. Yep, later. Appreciate you. Charles McDonald, four verts there on the West Her Hotline. Uh, I'm going to wait for Zach to uh, to work on getting our next guest here, Mike K of Pro Football Network. I'm really working Zach today. I'm making him work for every ounce of it behind the board today. You know, our um, our, our program tends to go heavy on the guests because, listen, I mean, all week you hear a lot of opinion. You get to hear from people that you care about, like, you know, with Mike and Chris in the afternoon and, and Howard and Jeremy in the morning. It's just me. I'm running solo here um, on Saturday. So I like to bring a lot of guests in. Today obviously makes the most sense. It is a really, really busy next couple of days in the NFL. And our next guest, Mike K., who uh, we've got Zach uh, working on getting here um, in the next minute or so, if you don't follow Mike on Twitter. You can follow him at Mike underscore E underscore K and it's K-A-Y-E and um, we'll have him appear in just a moment but he recently moved over to Pro Football Network uh, and is a national NFL reporter for Pro Football Network and one of the things that I think is most interesting about this free agency period is a lot of the movement happening across the league obviously a lot of which is surrounding the quarterback position but there are a lot of other moves that are going to be happening here over the next couple of days. What happens at the tight end position across the league? There are plenty of free agency, uh, free agent available at the tight end, at the wide receiver position, and that leads us to bringing on now, who is available on the Western Hotline for us, Mike K of Pro Football Network. Um, first and foremost, Mike, congrats on the on the transition and the move over to Pro Football Network. Uh, I've been a fan of your stuff for a while, so I'm, I'm excited to kind of see you on the national landscape, um, working on a, a lot of the larger national uh, landscape uh you know, storylines across the league. So congrats, man. I uh, we're, we're glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure, man, and thanks on the weekend. I know uh, we, we, we appreciate you making and carving out some time for us in your weekend schedule. I, like, listen, there are a lot of storylines over the last couple of days moving closer and closer into the league year, Mike, and, and I wanted to start with the Bills for you, who which is a team right now that – it's hard to sort of predict, Mike. It, it feels like they're teetering between let's be a team that just fills in some some additional depth holes that we have and let's run this thing back with the with the pieces and players that we have in place. But this is a team, Mike, in my opinion, that doesn't necessarily need more depth pieces. I, I think the thing that would move this team forward and maybe pass the Chiefs and pass some of these teams in the AFC is one or two more legit blue-chip level players. That I don't think anybody looks at the Bills and says this is a really too top-heavy team without the depth underneath it. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So what is your look at the Bills and start of the league year and the legal tampering period coming up on Monday on the route that you believe they're going to take? Are they going to get aggressive? Is there going to be some names out there that maybe people aren't necessarily thinking the Bills are going to be in play for? Well, I think the edge rusher category, especially if they don't re-sign Jerry Hughes, is a huge one for them. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, uh, Emmanuel Ogba, these are guys that aren't going to top the market. They're not going to set the market, but they're options for them that could really help this team uh, on defense. Uh, I know for a fact that they are looking very much into the returner group. This is going to be a very, very, very uh, heavy returner group that's going to get paid very, very well. 
Um, Jakeem Grant is a guy who could potentially go there. Ray Ray McLeod, who you guys are familiar with, mm-hmm. has, has kind of gotten gotten going in the league. Um, Andre Roberts is another returner that you guys are familiar with. I, I think the Bills will be definitely looking into the returner market. And then you look at the slot position and tight end. I mean, Zach Ertz is a guy who's out there. The Bills had interest in him last year. Um, now he's free. Now you can have him just for a contract. And I think, you know, if they really wanted to go for a blue chip player, teaming him with Dawson Knox is, is a, a real nice one-two punch there. Um, you know, Ertz is, is going to be more of a big slot type receiver. Uh than he is going to be an actual tight end. And I actually think that makes a lot of sense for Josh Allen, a big target in the red zone, a guy who can consistently get open running that Y option into the slot, uh, running slants. I, I think he's a good fit for them. I don't know if he'll price himself out of their market just mm-hmm. because I do expect him to have a, a huge market. He's the top head end in the market. But, yeah, I think you're on the right path. I think they want guys who are top at their position at every position and that means looking into the nooks and crannies of potential returners of of edge rushers etc you know the the one position it feels like more and more national media folks are sort of pointing towards for the bills in 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 an area that they would like to potentially uh, upgrade in as the running back position i mean they've been tied to leonard fournette who's a free agent they've been tied to trades and maybe the 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 Saquon Barkley conversation just stems from the relationship that Joe Shane and Brandon Bean have, and maybe Shane is looking to to move on from Barkley if they're not looking to re-sign him. But the one that seems the most consistent and seems to be gaining some some steam in terms of you know rival general managers talking about it is Christian McCaffrey, who it who it feels like his time in Carolina, Mike, is 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 coming to a close, whether or not he's involved in some sort of Deshaun Watson swap or if is is a part of some other separate trade. Do you believe the Bills are in the market to make a splash at the running back position and and I, and I think it was you that, that kind of tweeted out, and maybe it was a little while ago. I thought I read a tweet that you were kind of talking about how the teams that are kind of always in the market or, quote, a running back away, they're usually picking later on in the draft. So it's okay that if you're a team that's picking in the late 20s or early 30s, you know, that picking a running back there isn't necessarily as bad a business as picking one is in, you know, in the top five, the top ten. Where do you stand on the Bills potentially wanting to make a splash at that position? And, and do you think that's smart business? Yeah, I, I think to answer that last question first, I don't think it's smart business to pay running backs. I think we've seen throughout the years that running backs are not getting paid uh, Derrick Henry money once they hit the, the open road. And I think, look, Christian McCaffrey's an extremely talented player. He's also missed a ton of games over the last two years. He's also got a massive juggernaut of a contract. And I just think, you know, for the Bills, they need to remain fluid in a lot of other positions. Um, I like Devin Singletary, but obviously I think they need a guy who can complement him a little bit better than um, the, the rest of the stable they have. I, I think you draft a guy. Um, I don't think it has to be in the first round. It's a very good running back group. It's, it's deep. Um, and that's what I would keep doing. I think Brandon Bean's a really smart businessman at the GM spot, and I think investing a lot of money in the running back position just doesn't seem like good business at this point. Mike, I, I part of the conversation around the Bills, 
I think stems from wanting to take an advantage, wanting wanting to take advantage of the window they currently sit in with Josh Allen, and and the contract number is set to get larger and larger as we move closer and closer to the beginning of that, uh, you know, a beginning of that new extension. He's playing on his fifth year this year, which they were able to knock down a little bit, create more flexibility this year with that extension happening last year. Do you get the sense the other player that I think gets a lot of talk in this franchise by the fan base is Tremaine Edmonds, their middle line who was also a first-round pick in that Josh Allen year. What is your expectations? What have you been hearing across the league? Because, you know, in in my estimation, there's really no way the Bills can afford the extension that he's likely going to be looking at on a per-year basis when they've already paid Matt Milano. They've got a lot of money in that defensive backfield right now. It's hard for me to find a scenario where they they end up with Tremaine Edmonds here long-term on a number that's palatable enough to keep both he and Milano. Is that a player that you expect the Bills to maybe field some phone calls on, or is this just a guy they're going to go into his fifth-year option and, and hope to that next offseason they can find a solution that makes sense for both he, the player, and the team? Well, the trend of a lot of smart GMs now is to play the compensatory pick market, right? If you, if you let him play out that fifth year and then he gets a massive contract, you're getting compensation anyway. If you're going for the goal, you know, if you're going for the Super Bowl, you want the best players you possibly can. And so getting another year out of him as opposed to trading him for a day two pick really doesn't seem like a really smart move if you're all in. And so mm. I think the, the, the right strategy would be to let him play out the year and then let him cash in. And then you're, you're good. Because if you look around the league, especially this past week, the players that are being cut as cap casualties, first and foremost, are the linebackers. Bobby Wagner, mm-hmm. um, A.J. Klein. Guys like that are getting cut because teams are, I don't want to say rightfully, but trending in, in the way of devaluing, devaluing the linebacker position, similar to how they, they look at running back on the opposite side of the ball. It's just that's going to be the first cut to make because you, you prioritize edge rushers, you prioritize interior pass rushers, you prioritize corners, and now safeties are becoming that much more important. And the Bills obviously know that with the two safeties they have. So, look, I, I think if you're all in, you don't trade great players just to make a financial move, mm-hmm. right? You're not – if you're going all in, you're thinking about this year, and then next year you know you, you can potentially – impact the compensatory pick formula if Tremaine Edmonds has a great year you guys go deep in the playoffs and then you get the third round pick in 2024 but you've also had the benefit of having him play as you try to go make another run. Mike there's a couple of things I want to get to before I let you go here and I think I want to start with I, I, I guess starting with Kirk Cousins should probably make sense because it felt like the Vikings weren't going to make a move there. And then the dominoes sort of happened in the quarterback market, and and it appears that his services may be easier, maybe in more demand than originally thought from the Vikings. Do you expect him to get traded from the Vikings this offseason, or do you expect him to, again, you talk about that compensatory pick formula, is he a guy that maybe plays out the last year of his contract in Minnesota and moves on? And I I guess the, the question there surrounds, do the Minnesota Vikings believe that with Kirk Cousins they can push to be a playoff team, and is that worth keeping that $40 million contract on the on the books for one more year? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, well, I think... Look, I, I, I think they're open to moving him, is what I will say. Based on what I've heard, they are open to moving him. The issue it becomes, where do you send him? What's the compensation? 
because it's a huge contract. It is a one-year deal, and whoever you're trading him to then is probably going to want to, you know, rework his contract, give him a long-term extension. And then Kirk also on top of that has the leverage of being on a one-year deal and having assets traded for him. So it's, you really got to figure out the value there. And that's what I think is going to be difficult in moving him. I think it's something that a lot of teams have to look at with Derek Carr as well. But when a quarterback's on a one-year deal and you trade for him, you've not only given him the leverage of being on a one-year deal, oh, he can go into free agency, but you've traded multiple assets for him. So his agent knows, hey, look, I can basically negotiate this with me having the upper hand. It's a buy, you know, it's, it's the, I mean, I guess I don't know who you would call the buyer in this situation, but it's a seller's market in a lot of ways. So I, I just think with Kirk Cousins, it's going to be complicated. If he does get moved, I'd imagine teams that would have interest in him would be Cleveland, uh, Indianapolis. And then if the Raiders are able to move um, their car, maybe that's a possibility as well. But I, I don't think his market will be as widespread as, say, Deshaun Watson's. Well, thanks for leading me right into my, my, my final question for you. And this is kind of a two-part and a two-piece question because I, I've, got to, I've got to admit to you, Mike, that I'm surprised to hear in some of the absolutes I'm hearing about how interested the Seattle Seahawks are essentially for swapping uh, you know, Russell Wilson for a Deshaun Watson. First, I guess this is a two-part question. Is it also as interesting to you to hear that the Seahawks are that interested, considering the draft picks that they that they got back in that trade for Russell Wilson are presumably there to help build and fill in a lot of the holes that roster has outside of the quarterback position now? But do you believe that's a viable option for Deshaun Watson? Is that a place he's going to waive his no-trade clause for? And if not, where do you see Deshaun Watson playing? Maybe not next year as the suspension that could come down. Could be a full year. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the league decided to to suspend Deshaun Watson for the full season. There's more talk around 6, 8 to 10 games. But it would not surprise me if his 2022 season was suspended because of the off-the-field stuff that we know is currently happening. So in that two-part question, the Seahawks in this and where you ultimately think Deshaun Watson ends up this year? Well, I think Seattle's a big market and something that Deshaun would be attracted to. Um, I also think that they would mold the team around him. I think they'd give him a lot of say. Uh, The issue there is, right, you talk about the suspension. They did trade for Drew Locke, so maybe he's a guy that can start for a year while you're waiting on Watson. But I agree with you. They've invested a lot of assets in other aspects of the team. They were aging. They cut Bobby Wagner. It doesn't seem like an ideal fit on paper, but I think if Watson wants to have a lot of ownership in developing a system, look, Pete Carroll is is in his 70s. He's not going to want to rebuild right away. That's why I don't find their interest surprising. But I, I would find Watson's interest in their roster surprising. I think when you look at Carolina, it makes the most sense. The Clemson fan base is likely to embrace him more so than another market. You know, he is still facing 22 civil suits stemming from allegations of sexual misconduct. That's not – that hasn't gone away. Mm-hmm. That, just because the jail, jail possibilities have gone away, it doesn't mean that the civil aspect of this and the public relations nightmare of this is, is going away. You brought up the suspension. Um, I mean, look, I, I think you're going to take a lot of flack from, from part of your fan base for trading for Watson. And I think Carolina might be the best position to kind of – I don't want to say soften the blow, but at least um, have a better support system for Watson. If I'm Watson, 
I don't want to go to Philly because I know I'm, that's going to be in my face constantly, you know, both sides of the argument. I think when you look at Cleveland, that might be another possibility. Cleveland really is itching for a winner, and a lot of people believe in Deshaun Watson's talent um, and might be able to overlook, you know, his off-the-field stuff. I mean, certainly teams are in the business of wanting to win, and that's come at, at the price of PR. Um, but I think, look, you look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has shown that they are willing to take on character, uh, you sure. know, guys' character flaws. And I think that's probably the best fit for him. That's probably the place he'd want to go to the most. But they have so much work to do in free agency that I don't know if it's feasible. So, really, Cleveland and Carolina make a lot of sense um, for different reasons. So, those would probably be the two that I would look at. But, yeah, I think Seattle's got the ammunition to make the deal if they want to. Mike, thanks so much, man, uh, for for hopping on with us here and, uh, and and giving us some insights into free agency as we, uh, we 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 head into the league year next week. Tell the folks where they can find your work, uh, where they can find you on Twitter, and what you got going on leading into next week. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm now at Pro Football Network. Um, we're covering a lot of built stuff because why not? Um, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. It's the worst Twitter handle in the history of the NFL, but you got to stick with the bit. That's what I try to preach online. And, um, yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of great stuff about uh, fits for Leonard Fournette and Zach Ertz. Um, we'll be reporting around the clock. You know, unlike a lot of other national outlets, we report on everybody. We're reporting on the Jaguars, the Cardinals, um, the Texans. You know, we want to make sure that everybody in the league is covered uh, along with your beloved Bills. So make sure you check it out, profootballnetwork.com. Awesome, Mike. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for making the time. We'll do this again soon. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your, your weekend because things get real next week. Oh, I'm going to need it. Yes, sir. Thanks. Mike Kay there on the Western Hotline. Going to take a time out. We've got Teresa Walker of the Associated Press. She was on with Jeremy earlier this week. We'll play that back for you. That's coming up next year on WGR. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. We are going to bring you Teresa Walker of the Associated Press. She was on with Jeremy earlier this week on the morning show, so here's Teresa. On the Western Hotline, Teresa Walker covers the Tennessee Titans for the AP. We're bouncing around the other AFC contenders. We did the Chiefs and the Bengals earlier this week, and now on to the Titans. Teresa, good morning. It's Jeremy White. Good to talk to you, and uh, thanks for taking some time this morning. My pleasure. How are you doing today? Doing all right. Doing all right. The uh, the Titans had a, a similar end of their season that the Bills did, which is the divisional round and a close game and one that probably broke some hearts. So uh, as the Titans look back at what might have gone wrong, I mean, it's a one seed, it's a home game, and you sack Joe Burrow nine times, but you lose. So what what is the uh, autopsy, I guess, on the Titans season? Well, uh, I'll say this. Uh, reporters asked the GM last week at the Combine, uh, and, you know, he got emotional. You know, he knew how close this franchise was to hosting its first AFC championship game in Nashville. And then you go on to see, you know, a pair of four seeds playing for the Super Bowl. You know, it, it, it definitely leaves a woulda, coulda, shoulda feeling around the franchise. And we see their big moves so far this week is they, you know, they reached an extension, five-year deal with uh, Harold Landry, the guy who led them with a career-high 12 sacks uh, to keep him and keep their front four together, a defense that was sixth in scoring and ninth in sacks. So, uh, you know, that that's one big step that, you know, maybe, you know, they may not uh, quite run it back the way some other teams have, but it certainly looks like they're trying to keep the core of this group together. Now, that said, 
uh, it's interesting. There's a report this morning that they've started some cuts. They are over the salary cap. They've got to create some room. And, you know, they can largely do it with a couple of surgical cuts and, you know, maybe re, re, uh, restructure some contracts. So I'm curious to see just how much they end up truly trying to run it back. But when you think about this team, you know, they, they, they won the uh, one seed uh, by uh, a tiebreaker over the Kansas City Chiefs, having beaten the Chiefs during the regular season uh, the week after they beat the Bills. Uh, and and you know, the idea that they maybe could, you know, do better – they played 91 players this last season, at most ever in an NFL season that didn't involve a strike uh, because they had 26 players that went on IR. They had 21 players that went on the COVID list at times. So they were just kind of a, almost a revolving door getting players in and out of here, uh, you know, to, to piece together a season. So the, you know, the thinking is maybe that, you know, keep these guys together, keep your starters together, and then just go, you know, put together a season that might have, could have, you know, even be better than they were this last season. Although you look at the schedule for 22 and it's like, hmm, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah. Uh, that said, you know, they've got Ryan Tannehill, who just had a bad day in the uh, divisional game with three interceptions. You know, they've got places that they absolutely can get better. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to watch this team because, you know, they've, they've gone to the playoffs three straight years for the last five, and it does feel like this is a group that uh, has enough pieces to, to keep their window open for, you know, two, three more years. They have an appearance in the AFC Championship game. They have a one seed, uh, you know, a regular season title effectively. You know, one thing about the Titans, I think, Teresa, from, from here in Buffalo, they did beat the Bills. They also did beat the Chiefs, and correct me if I'm wrong, did they beat the, the Bengals in the regular season too? Because... They did not play them this year in the regular season. Okay, so, okay. Uh, yeah. But my point, but they, uh, real quick, what I was going to get to had, was they, they were the one seed. They beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. And yet it seemed like from maybe other parts outside of Tennessee, there was an idea that maybe they weren't as good as those teams. I, I think that sometimes that conversation boils down to the quarterback. And with Ryan Tannehill, what, what level of commitment and confidence is there in him? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours 
And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Him, as we see, you know, other quarterbacks getting traded around the league. Is Tannehill 100% uh, the Titans guy? There's, there's, there's no sort of if only we could be better at that spot. Uh, no, the Titans are all in on Ryan Tannehill. They, they've seen his toughness. They've seen his commitment, his preparation. They've seen his decision-making. You know, this last season, it was not a great year for Ryan Tannehill. You know, he had, you know, he doubled his uh, interceptions from the year before. But, you know, you kind of have to put some of that blame on the Titans. They never really replaced their number one tight end uh, from a year ago, Johnny Smith. You know, he left in free agency for the Patriots, and they went with Jeff Swain and Anthony Forkser thinking one of those two guys could maybe step up. And, you know, they they were, you know, they did things, but they were never the number one. And, you know, they traded for uh, Julio Jones, and, you know, the hamstring continued to bother him. And, you know, when he, when he was on the field, he was productive, but he didn't catch his first touchdown, I think, until the uh, end of the year. Uh, shoot, it may have actually been in that playoff game, but – I mean, yeah, they did not get what they were hoping for from Julio Jones. They didn't give him enough help last year on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, to, to, to help take the pressure off A.J. Brown and just simply give him some more targets. I mean, the guy who ended up being the second leading receiver on the team, an undrafted uh, kid out of Indiana in 2020, a kid named West, Nick Westbrook-Akina. When they went to New England, they started a kid who they pulled up off the practice squad, uh, Cody Hollister. I mean, so their their wide receiver group was thin and none. And then when you lose Derrick Henry for eight games, you know, that that was, you know, Ryan Tannehill had to carry this team. So, you know, the Titans front office uh, and inside that building, they completely understand he's a very big reason why they had a chance to to be the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, You know, they won six games by three points or less. That was the most in the NFL last year. That's Ryan Tannehill in the Titans' eyes. More from the Associated Press's Teresa Walker when we return. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, one final segment. We're going to bring you back to Jeremy White's interview with the Associated Press. Uh, the Associated Press's Teresa Walker earlier this week. When it comes to adding a playmaker, it, it, would you say it's number one? The thing they want to do is add to their receiver depth at, at the 26th pick in the draft. That could be on the mark for them? It sure seems like it. I mean, wide receiver, tight end, those are two areas that they kind of have to address. 
a year ago, uh, defense was their big problem, right? They, they really, really struggled and were one of the worst units in the NFL in so many categories. And they went out and signed Bud Dupree, Danico Autry, who comes through with a, you know, matching his career high with nine sacks. They brought in Jack Rabbit Jenkins, uh, you know, used a bunch of draft picks on defense. It feels like this offseason is an area where they're going to be focusing on offense as well. And yeah, 26. Especially if one of the uh, injured Alabama receivers maybe you know is available at 26, you know John Robinson's got a small track record here in the last few drafts of taking a risk on a guy coming off an injury. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, who is a, a second team All Pro for the AP this year, uh, he, and he was coming off an ACL and fell to them at 19. Uh, Caleb Farley, the cornerback they took last year, uh, he they had questions about or the NFL had questions about a back surgery he had in March fell to the Titans. So, you know, if one of those uh, wide receivers are there, don't be surprised if the Titans decide to go ahead and gamble again. Well, with the Bills picking one spot in front of them, Teresa, I am going to be here trying to make sure that the Titans don't get a receiver because I need the Bills to take one to add to their their playmakers. All right. Well, thank you very much for the time, and uh, enjoy the rest of the the crazy NFL offseason. You want to give us a prediction for what the crazy NFL story will be today? We had, uh, you know, a couple quarterback trades. Who's next? <laughs> well, it feels like Deshaun Watson is next, but you know, it's been, you know, he's been over there still trying to get his legal issues worked out. So, you know, there's a lot of chatter that maybe if something goes well for him on Friday, that you know maybe something happens with him next. But he does seem to be the one big name still left for something to happen to. But you know, his off the uh, field issues still have to be settled before I think anyone's going to want to touch him just yet. But it, it, what we've seen this week. Teams desperate for a quarterback will do anything to make a move, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got two teams that are feeling pretty good about their their quarterbacks in Buffalo and Tennessee. Teresa, thank you very much. That was Jeremy White on the morning show with the Associated Press's uh, Teresa Walker. I'm Nate Geary. Thanks a lot to uh, Zach Jones, our producer today, and to all of our guests. It was a loaded lineup today uh, here on Sports Talk Saturday. A big thanks to Heather Engel of NHL.com, Matt Lombardo of Fansided. Of course, Sal Capaccio joined us at the top as well. Aaron Quinn from Cover One, Charles McDonald of Underdog Fantasy, and Mike Kay uh, as well for joining the program from Pro Football Network. I'm Nate Geary. I will be back next week filling in on the afternoon for Mike Shope with Bulldog on Monday and uh, the starter free agent officially starts next week here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.